it is well with me. Because it is only through you, Lord. It is only through you that we are that we are okay. Because of you, we can say that it is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started this series off with a question. Why don't more people get involved with their lives? Why don't they invest themselves in doing something significant with their lives? Something meaningful, something of, of a giving or of a serving nature. Why don't they give more of themselves? Because people say that they want to live a life of significance, that they want to serve at points of need, that they want to make a difference with their life. But so many times, so many times they don't. So why is that? Well, here's the answer that we introduced last week. It's because they never get off of their butts. And no, not that kind of butt. It's the excuses that we make. I'm talking about the butts of their fears. But, but what if I fail? The butts of their insecurities. But what if I'm not good enough? the butts of our own self-assessments, but I don't have anything to offer. The butts of our excuses, but I don't have the time. And today, I want to explore one of the most commonly voiced butts that people have in their minds that stands in the way of serving others and making a difference. And here it is. But I don't know what I should do. There are so many needs out there. So many ways to serve. It can be overwhelming. So we say, I don't know. I, we say, I know I should serve. But I just don't know where to serve. So instead, we just sit there and do nothing, weeks, months, years, even a lifetime can pass, and we do nothing. Well, let me tell you this morning that you can stop using that excuse. You can stop it immediately because God has already told you what you should do. Are you ready for, for the answer? You should do what you are. While all of us should be willing to serve at any point of need that a church has, your primary serving should be in a place and in a way that reflects who you are. Because you have a God-given shape that God gave you for, for a very specific reason. Your shape is how he wants you to serve, 
how he wants you to make a difference in this world. It's how he wants you to serve. It's how he wants you to make an impact and to leave a legacy. And it's all throughout the Bible. In the book of Job, we read this, your hands shaped me and made me. The prophet Isaiah, when talking about the people of Israel, God refers to them this way, that they were the people I made especially for myself, a people custom made. You see, every person that has ever lived was custom made, including you and including me. So do you know your unique shape? And by shape, I mean who you really are, your unique makeup, your design, who it is that God has uniquely made you to be. So you need to get in touch with with this because you're shaped that way, the, the way you are for a reason. And that reason is to do who you are to serve and to give and to invest in light of who God made you to be. So what is your shape? See, that word shape, I use that for a purpose. Each letter in that word has a purpose. The, letter, the word shape begins with the letter S, and that letter S stands for spiritual gifts. See, when you become a Christ follower, the the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to give you at least one spiritual gift. Sometimes more than one, but at least one. So what is a spiritual gift? The simplest definition I've been able to find is a spiritual gift is a supernatural, meaning it's God-given, God-enabled, a supernatural ability to develop a particular capability for the cause of Christ and the building up of his church. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability to develop a particular capability for the cause of Christ and the building up of his church. In 1 Corinthians, it says this, And now I will write about the special abilities of the Holy Spirit gives to each of us. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is a source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it is the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. And then in Ephesians, it says this, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So what kind of gifts are we talking about? These can be all kinds of gifts. They're 
can be administrative gifts. They can be teaching gifts. They can be gifts of hospitality, giving, wisdom, discernment, gifts related to encouragement and mercy, related to, to raw creativity in, in an area. They, they could be ability to communicate spiritual truths and to answer questions. They could be answering a phone or greeting someone in, in a way that puts them at ease and makes them feel valued and want to take a step forward in community. It could be the ability to, to bring emotional health and wholeness to a person through the gifts of counseling. It could be in the realm of the arts, whether singing or playing an instrument or videography or composition. It could be working with children and students. It could be in the a gift of leadership, the ability to cast vision or to advance a cause. The, the list can go on and on. See, the list is limited only by the creativity of the Holy Spirit. No gift is better or more spiritual or less needed than any other. They're all special because whatever gifts you possess were handpicked and given to you personally by God. They are given to be used. Let me say that again. They're given to be used. They're given to be part to put be, to be put into play for the cause of Christ and the building up of his church. For me, my top gifts are related to leadership and communication. It's it's who I am. It's part of my shape. It also tells me what I should be doing. I should be leading and communicating. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? See, a lot of people don't, and they, they use that as an excuse why they aren't using those spiritual gifts, but that shouldn't be an excuse. You can find a spiritual gift assessment on the internet. There's books that you can use to find it. You can find out what your spiritual gift is, so find out what it is. Don't use it as an excuse. This part of your shape shouldn't be a mystery. Take a test and find out what your spiritual gift is. The second letter in that word shape, the letter H, stands for your heart. Your heart has to do with your passions. We all know what it means to be passionate for something. Your passions are your interest. It's what you care about. It's what you enjoy doing. But don't reduce this to something like a hobby. A passion is what stirs you most deeply. It's what captivates you. It's it what motivates you. And it, and it can be anything. It can be technology. It can be education. It can be children. It can be administration. It can, it, can be, it can be a film. It's what transforms an interest into a passion is when something drives you to, to want to act, to make a difference in and through that area of passion. It's not just a generic liking of children, but a passion to want to serve children with special needs or homeless children or helping children know and love Jesus. It's not just an interest in education but wanting to teach Bible to people who've never studied it before or need to 
to someone to begin at the beginning or wanting to package information for classes to bring biblical truth to contemporary issues or wanting to produce a YouTube video to explain Christian faith. It's not just an interest in music, but, but wanting to write music that helps people worship God more authentically or to help develop young musicians or to cast vision within a musical community of a church to know that they can serve the kingdom of God. The book of Proverbs says, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. First Peter says, as a face is reflected in the water, so the heart reflects the person. So what is it? What is it that captivates your conscience, grips your spirit, and exercises your emotions? What areas, what themes, what concerns grab hold of you? What energizes you when you study it or when you think about it? What what kinds of articles or blogs or news stories stick with you and won't let go of you? Is it challenges facing single parents? Is it the homeless population? Is it human trafficking? Is it the opioid epidemic? Is it gun violence? Is it young kids being exposed to pornography? Is it racial reconciliation? Are you passionate about music or theater or film and the arts, teaching, seeing people who are far from God coming to know him? Is it leadership? Is it equipping others to excel and to reach their full potential? See, passion is when something stirs the deepest parts of you and your emotions in a way that makes you want to do something in that area of your life and to make a difference. See, you have an emotional heartbeat. God gave it to you. So listen to it and act upon it. The next letter in the word shape is the letter A, and it stands for your abilities, which those natural talents, those natural skills that you were born with, and, and that's a God thing too. You see, when it, when it comes time for, people, for the people of Israel to create that first gathering place, for the worship of God, it describes the gathering of the people with various skills to work on it. And one man was described this way as, as all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. And then later, God simply said, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded. See, the difference between a natural ability, a talent and a skill set, and a spiritual gift is a natural talent is just that. It's natural. It's not supernatural coming to you later as a gift from God as a result of your relationship in Him. Natural gifts and abilities are skills that are usually with you from day one such as a a natural athlete or a natural-born leader. See, I I told you that one of my spiritual gifts is leadership. I'm not a natural-born leader. 
I was a follower. I was born as a follower. I, I was, I'm not a natural-born leader. I'm, I'm much more comfortable following people, not up front leading people. That didn't come until I met Jesus, that I'm comfortable up here leading people. But some people are natural-born leaders. And you can usually spot these people early on in life. Go to the playground. You will find a natural-born leader on the playground. You, you see that one kid, group of, uh, usually a group of boys, and one of them says, hey, let's go play football. And a lot of them say, yeah, let's do that. But there will be this one boy who says, no, I'm going to go play basketball. So most of the boys go one way to play football, and this one boy goes off by himself to play basketball. And the next thing you know, all of the boys are playing basketball because that one boy was a natural-born leader, and everyone followed him. Everyone follows the leader. And how do you know he's a natural-born leader? Look behind him. People are following. That natural leadership ability will be with that person, that natural-born leader, the rest of his life. It's how God will, will wire that person. It's part of that person's shape. And because it's part of that person's shape, it's going to be something that they should develop and invest in. Now, if you're thinking that you don't have any natural abilities, that there are no skills that stand out, then you need to think harder. Ask the people who are close to you. They could probably tell you what you're good at. Studies tell us that the average person possesses between five and 700 different skills and abilities. Things such as numerical skills, counting, calculating, measuring, and budgeting. Leadership skills such as decision-making, supervising, initiating, interviewing, planning, organizing, coaching. Logical skills such as problem-solving, investigating, researching, assessing, analyzing, synthesizing, testing. Helping skills such as searching, ser or serving, treating, facilitating, advising, counseling. Organizing, organizational skills such as managing information, scheduling, coordinating, classifying. Technical skills such as using computers, operating equipment, maintaining equipment, construction. Self-management skills such as managing time, learning, managing money, building relationships. Creative and innovative skills such as creating, inventing, designing, displaying, improvising, performing, drawing, writing, composing. I just rattled off 50 different skills in less than a minute. You probably have some of these. What's interesting is how often God will take a natural gift or ability, or skill set, and then when someone becomes a Christ follower, he'll infuse that natural ability with a supernatural giftedness and then turn it into a spiritual gift. So what natural abilities has God given you? See, that's part of your God-given shape, and you should use those for the uplifting of the church. The next part of our shape is the letter P, which stands for your personality. Every one of us has a unique inner world, a specific internal makeup, our disposition, our personality. 
Your personality is, is just as God-given, just as God-fashioned as the color of your eyes. In fact, this is, I believe, one of the meanings within the words of Psalm 139, where it says, for, for you created my inmost being. Your inmost being is who you are, your personality, your consciousness, the you that is you. And no one personality type is better or worse than another. Paul said, God works through different people in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves his purpose through them all. Many people have taken the Myers-Briggs personality test. It's probably the most famous of personality tests. When I took it, I am an INTJ, which is clearly the best of them. Um, it's introvert. Many of you know that I am an introvert. Intuitive thinking, judgment. Now, people assume that because I stand up here and because I stand up in front of juries and judges in court that I must be an extrovert. I am not. Uh, I, I am very much an introvert. It is hard standing up in front of people. That's why oftentimes you'll find me in the lobby eating by myself on a Sabbath afternoon. People look at me weird when I sit at a table eating by myself. It's, where I'm, where it's my happy place, by myself. When Lauren saw me and said, I was sitting by, with all my friends today out in the lobby by myself, my happy place by myself. Yes, I have people gifts, the ability to stand up here and communicate. It's, it's my spiritual gift. But I'm not people-oriented. I'm not an extrovert. The, the truth is I get almost all of my emotional energy from being alone. Too much people time in a given day, and I probably would be found in a fetal position somewhere, so what is your personality type? Get in touch with it. Find, because it's part of your shape. And it's critical to knowing where and how to serve. You really don't want me out greeting people. Sometimes I do it, but that's, that's not my personality type. I'm, I'm not a greeter. It's probably not, shouldn't be serving food in the line because that's, not where I really should be serving. Um, also, something else. What's your Enneagram type? Another one that's popular nowadays. Figure, you know, find out those things about yourself. They can help figure out where you can best be used in a church. And then the last letter in that word shape stands for your experiences. Your experiences have to do with what you have stored up in terms of knowledge, wisdom, background, and education. See, it's as if everything you've ever done, everything you've ever gone through, everything you've ever learned has made a deposit in your experience bank. And the Bible tells us that those deposits were made for a reason. God is giving us a unique personal experience account to draw from. Moses told us that remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. Don't forget it. Draw from it. Keep it in mind. 
And then in Galatians, Paul says, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. See, experiences were meant to, to shape us. I once read that there are six kinds of experiences that should be examined. The first kind are family experiences. What did you learn growing up in your family? The second kind were educational experiences. What were your favorite subjects in school? Then vocational experiences. What jobs have you been most effective in and enjoyed the most? Then spiritual experiences. What have been your most meaningful times with God? Then ministry experiences. How have you served God in the past? And last but not least, painful experiences. What problems, what hurts, what trials, what challenges have you learned from? Henry Nouwen once wrote that asking what has wounded you is like asking what has made you. Now let's go back to where we started with the butt that a lot of us need to get off of. But I don't know what I should do. And the answer is you should do what you are. And that means your shape. And this is how it's put in the Bible. We find it in Romans chapter 12. Since we find ourselves fashioned in, into all these excellently formed and marvelous, marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Let's be what we were made to be. To be. So how do you do that? How do you take your shape and let it point you toward where you should serve in the church? Jim Collins, the great business researcher, titled one of his books, Good to Great. And the idea was that he investigated businesses that, that weren't great, that were good, but that that weren't great, but eventually became great. And his question was, what allowed them to go from being just good to being great? And his research uncovered what he called the hedgehog concept. And the idea that there were two types of companies in the world, what he called the hedgehogs and the foxes. Foxes chased after all kinds of things at the same time. They would, they would running around after anything and everything. They would, did all kinds of different things at the same time. They had no sense of purpose, no sense of direction, but lots of activities. But not the hedgehogs. Hedgehogs would go after one main thing. And the research said that Collins found that the hedgehogs would often outpace the foxes. The companies that made the biggest impact were the hedgehogs. And here's how the companies found their hedgehog. Their one big idea, their one pursuit in life, it was based on three circles. The first circle is what you can be the best in the world at, or just as importantly, what you can never be the best in the world at. The second circle is what drives your economic engine. It's, like, it's asking, what can we do that we can monetize? And then the third circle is what you are deeply, deeply passionate about. You see, where those three circles overlap is the company's hedgehog concept, that sweet spot. 
that one big thing that the company should focus on. Now think about those similar set of circles in light of what we've been discussing. Let's take your shape and put it into those three circles and then look at that overlap area, that sweet spot. You have your gifts and your abilities, your passions and experiences, and then you have your personality. Where those three circles overlap and come together is where you should make your primary investment in serving. Your gifts and abilities tell you what to do. Your heart and your experiences tell you where you might want to do it. And your personality tells you how. Let me say that again. Your gifts tell you what to do. Your passions tell you where to do it. And your personality tells you how to do it. Let's say someone has the gift of teaching. Well, then they should teach. But if they have a passion for children... With a back and a background in working with them, they might want to consider using that teaching gift where? With children. And if they're also an extrovert, they should consider having that teaching role with children be used in a way that, that has lots of engagement and interaction with those children and their parents and maybe even other teachers on a team. You see how this works? Your shape tells you what, where, and how. So those three circles interact with your passions your, and that shape tells you where to work. So you can get off of this but. You don't have to wonder where to serve anymore. Where to invest your time. You can, as Riley would, would wonder, See, I, I give them a cue every, every time. And they're ignoring my cue because I give them a, a backup cue if they forget all the other cues and they're, they're waiting for that backup cue because I give them a funny one. And I give them one that Riley doesn't know a song title from or a song lyric from. And this week it was Great Balls of Fire because she doesn't know that song. Last week it was Jumpin' Jack Flash, which she doesn't know either apparently. So, your shape was given to you for a reason. God wants you to use it. There's an old Danish proverb. What you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. Start giving your gift to God. If you don't, if you waste your shape, if you keep standing on the sidelines and you never get involved, you will never have the life you say you long for. You will never have a life of significance. You will never have a life that makes a difference. The life that God dreamed of for you, the life that he created you for, the life that he gave your shape to you for, it's time that each and every one of us stop making excuses, stop sitting on our butts, and get up and get active and start making a difference, start using our shapes, and start getting active in this church. Heavenly Father, 
thank you that you give us the ability to be used for you. That you give us a shape to be used for you, for your ministry. Help us to stop making excuses. Help us to, to stop standing on the sidelines, thinking that someone else will do it, to, to think that, there's, that we don't know what to do, to stop standing there waiting and not doing anything. Help us to become more active. Help us to follow your guidance, to follow the shape that you've given us, Heavenly Father, just, just guide us in the direction you want us to follow. Guide us in serving your church so that we can bring people who don't know you yet to your feet so that they can get to know you and that their lives can be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.